Hey, welcome to the Rookie Preacher Podcast. We are your hosts, Brandon Kelly and Joe Hoagland, and our goal is to help you preach and lead better. Well, we are in for a treat today. We have a special guest with us by the name of John Chandler, and we're going to be interviewing him about sermon preparation and uh, some cool projects that he has going on on his own end. And uh, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is a pastor and local theologian of Austin Mustard Seed, a young church in North Central Austin. He serves as the host of Sermon Smith, a podcast about the rhythms, workflows, tools, and prayers used by those who engage the secret craft of sermon writing. He also works part-time as a front-end web developer, obsesses over the Denver Broncos, <laughs> has a long way to go as a husband, even after 21 years, and has three children. John, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate the invite. It's uh, good to hear what you guys are up to. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right in. A first question is, hey, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about your ministry experience and, and just kind of bring us up to your current context now? Sure, sure. Uh, I've done ministry now. I'm 45 years old. And so pretty much since I graduated from undergrad when I was 22, I've been working in church settings in different ways. The first 11, I think it was 11 years of that, I worked at a very large church in the Phoenix area. I did student ministry. And in the related, I'll, I'll give most of my experience as it relates to sermons and preaching since that's what we're talking about. But in the later years of that, I was the primary teacher in our student ministry, writing the lessons each week. And then part of, I was on the bottom rung of our teaching team for the overall church, which means I sat in on the meetings every week where we planned and talked about our sermons, which was a lot of fun. And then I preached, I say bottom rung because I preached once a year, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that even sitting in the teaching team meetings was a rich experience. And then I helped start a church in the Seattle area where I was kind of a associate pastor, church planter in residence for three years. And while we were there, I went to grad school at Seattle School, as it's now called. Uh, and then we moved to Austin seven years ago. And we, we moved here for the purpose of church planting, but we kind of floundered along trying to incubate something just out of relationships and out of our home. That's when I became bivocational, as you mentioned in the intro. And then about two... Just over two years ago now, we started, uh, we got to a point where we were ready and we started a weekly liturgy. We have a liturgical service for where I'm at now, which is Austin Mustard Seed. And so uh, in the context we're here now, I preach probably about half the time. Uh, I tend to, what I, uh, maybe a little bit more than half, but what I tend to do is I'll do some intentional focused series throughout the year of things that we want to develop a little more deeply and then the rest of the year we'll spend time like in lent and in easter and advent we'll we'll focus in on the lectionary and we really try to incorporate a number of voices from our church community and so there's an associate pastor who preaches once a month but we even have a number of men and women who are part of our church who we're trying to develop as preachers as well that's great so do you guys take them under like a certain program or how, how have you how did you start developing them uh as as, as speakers and stuff. I'm just curious as how you yeah. guys do that. Uh, it first started shortly after we started, we collaborated with a couple other churches in the area. We, we're, we've been real good friends with a church named Box Vignet, which is a church, another church here in Austin that I was actually preaching at quite a bit. And they helped us kind of 
well, they, they helped us steal some of their own people to get our <laughs> church going. It's really what happened. Uh, so between them, uh, and myself, we, we put together a little preaching workshop on a Saturday. It was like a three hour, here's the basics of preparing a sermon. And we just each invited some people from our congregations to be a part of that. I think we had probably about 12 people part of that. And then from there, it's just been a matter of scheduling people in. And then when somebody's going to preach, I'll sit down with them one or two. I think, I think it's none of them have been more than two times, but a couple weeks out of then one week out. I resource them. I do screenshots of some of my commentaries so that they can be reading and then talking through, uh, you know, what, what's coming up with the sermon and really try to work with them on that. So different, you know, different people have different, some of the people, we have a, a few people who have prior experience in church ministry who are part of our congregation. So they need a little less direction than others, of course. So what is your church like? Like what is the, the, the flow and, and what is, I love the question you typically ask in your podcast, which we'll get to here in a minute, but what is the role of preaching in, in your church? Just yeah. love to hear that. Dang it, man. You can't ask me my own questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can totally steal them. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, like I, like I mentioned earlier, we, we use a liturgy. We follow the same order every single week, which is actually really really nice because we just know what's going to happen. So we always know when the sermon's going to be. We always know it's going to point towards prayers of the people. And ultimately it's going to point towards a Eucharist. We take Eucharist every week. Um, we have a pretty, it's funny because we have the formality of a liturgy, but we also have a very relational unassuming feel to it. So there's a kind of a unique mix that's going on between the two of those uh, church. We started when we started our liturgy two years ago, there were about, I don't know, 35 to 40 people who helped us get started. Uh, now we probably have about 75 to 80 active adults and that's, you know, they come and go and we have a ton of kids. So our Sunday attendance is somewhere around there this time of year anyway. Um, which, I, but again, I really like, cause I feel like I have a good sense of who the people are and, and what they're up to. So for us, the, I would say the sermon, uh, the sermon is very much kind of, it's, I wouldn't say it's at the center of our liturgy because we believe the Eucharist is at the center of the liturgy, but we feel like it's, in a lot of ways, it's at the center of our community life in terms of we are going to come together around a text every week and try to engage how this ancient text and our contemporary life, unique to Austin, um, interplay with one another and how what is happening in the story of this text that happened so long ago continues to shape and continues to form. So it, I, I think our sermons, certainly my sermons tend to have a little bit of a teaching bent, but I would say that's kind of coming true out of all of them because we point, we're preparing people. We, we point towards Eucharist as the primary piece as far as proclamation goes, but our sermons are kind of teaching for, this is what Christian life in this time and in this place might look like out of the scriptures that we're, we're going through. How's that? I, that's totally uh, off the cuff. I just made that up, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> John, um, related to Austin specifically, um, is there anything, you know, cause you kind of brought that up contextually that might be a little different than the other places you've been, you know, Phoenix and Seattle um, when it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, one of the differences is, um, I think one of the things 
Uh, Austin and Seattle share a lot of similarities, except for in Seattle, I was in a suburban context where in Austin, we're kind of in the neighborhoods of the city. Actually, where we meet now is, you know, easily walkable to the University of Texas campus. Um, And whereas, you know, Phoenix, we were definitely out in the suburbs. I would say one of the things that's been very true here is, and particularly, I, I think the kind of people we connect with is it's a pretty educated city. Uh, one of the things that I've, as I've lived in Austin now, one of the things I've you know discerned is I think one of Austin's primary industries is ideas. And I think that goes all the way back to when the city was first getting started, when it became the city that had the university for Texas. Obviously, there's lots of universities now, but uh, that even way back then, and this is just true in the story of Austin, it's a city that cares about ideas. And so that in mind, a lot in my sermon prep, I really, I really try to incorporate a lot of books, whether they're popular level, like I've engaged with this book or articles that I've read online, TV shows, movies, um, not, not as illustrations so much, at, you know, not as illustrations to support what's in the scripture as much as the voices that are being spoken all around us that we are trying to engage with scripture. And sometimes that means scripture comes alongside and those voices are affirming things that we see in scripture. And sometimes that means the scripture that we're reading is in tension with what we're seeing in the culture all around us. But yeah, I try to be pretty particular about, you know, I I regularly try to browse at book people, which is a large independent bookstore here, or even Barnes and Noble just to see what are the things people are talking about. Okay. Are you a regular, like prominent reader? So does that help? I am. I am. I, I set a goal about 10 years ago to average a book a week, and I've, I've reached that goal uh, every year. Um, I'm not sure how. I, I certainly feel like as you know, my kids have gotten older and being bivocational, it's a challenge, but it's just the regular rhythm of I try to every morning read a couple chapters, and then I'll, be, uh, I'll read myself to sleep at night. So even between that or audiobooks in the car, it's a doable task, but that means I'm trying to always read one book that's a little bit beefier, whether it's a history book or a theology book. Um, or, but at the same time, I'll also, I always am trying to read something popular level, um, whether that's a church related popular level or just general culture popular level. And then I'm always trying to read something that's fiction related. Fiction is, <laughs> fiction's getting the short end of the stick lately because that's what I try to read before bed. And that's what I keep falling asleep while I'm reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned, uh, being bivocational. Um, so what has that been like for you? Um, maybe what challenges have you encountered along the way and maybe even what advantages that has for you? Yeah. Um, you know, so we lived 11 years in Phoenix, the Phoenix area. We lived three years in the Seattle area and then moved to Austin. And I would say primarily because I was bivocational, pretty quickly, like within the first couple of years, I felt more like I was a resident of Austin than any of the other cities that we had lived in. And I think that's because I came here, I, we'd raised some funds when we moved here. And so I worked half time for the church and half time I started making websites really is what it came down to. But just because of the relationships I built either by making websites for people or by working alongside people or even learning from people, uh, working out of coffee shops a lot, going to meetups, um, 
I just felt really connected into the flow of the city. So from that perspective, bivocational has been really a gift and really a blessing. And it's given us a lot of freedom to start the church kind of in the way that we wanted to, uh, to be pretty relational and to not, not feel this, you know, not feel like we had 25 months of jet fuel and we had to be in orbit by the time this one or, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Self-sustaining for sure. Right, Right. So that's, that's been a real gift. Uh, but it's also a challenge, you know, my perfect, not my perfect, but my best analogy of it has always been, you can only think about one thing when you're in the shower. And <laughs> there's definitely seasons like this morning, I can tell you this morning, I was thinking about my sermon uh, for this coming Sunday, getting ideas for it. But there's definitely been seasons where when I'm in the shower, what I'm thinking about is, how the heck am I going to get such and such thing that needs to work on this website to work? And then there's seasons where in the shower, I'm thinking about, you know, some relational burden that's happening in our church. So that's one of the hard things is I essentially started a freelance business and tried to start cultivating a church community at the same time. And that's, you can only think about one thing in the shower. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, neither of them has fully gotten the attention they need. And and I suppose at the same time, even from the church perspective, what's been good about that is it's required more and more to have other people who are part of it and knowing that I can't do it all. And that's, that piece has probably been really healthy. Yeah, that's great. Um, as far as getting people, more people on board, especially in a church plant. I mean, at least for us in our context, uh, we reach a lot of people who have been burnt by churches and things like that. And so a lot of times they, they have a while until they're ready to get, you know, to jump in and serve uh, in a way that they can take on leadership and stuff. So that's great that you kind of already have that uh, that culture in your church that, Hey, I, I'm really, even if you expect me to do everything, I can't. And, uh, you know, it's pretty predominant in a lot of churches that maybe have been around for a while as far as the expectations of a minister. And that's, um, that's been part of the preaching, you know, that's, I would love to preach every week. Um, but it's, and it's, I, I get squirmy when other people are preaching because <laughs> it's so passionate about it, but that's been one of the areas where it's been, let's develop some other people, because it's healthy for our church to hear other voices, but it's also healthy for me, especially by vocational to not have to do a sermon every week. Yeah. Have, have you, have you found that like developing, you mentioned rhythms, have you, have you found that like developing those rhythms has been like vital to, to being able to maintain the juggling the two different things. And then obviously family life and stuff like that. Um, Do you have like some set rhythms that you, that you go through each week or is it, is it pretty sporadic or what? No, I, I try to maintain rhythms just because I feel like I need to, I just, it's almost like I see that every day there's another layer of, and I'm talking particularly in the flow of sermon prep now. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's one more layer that needs to be done, you know, and that I just want to kind of move things along. I really feel like 50% of my sermon prep takes place when I'm not sitting there in the midst of study or research, like 50% of my sermon prep just happens while I'm doing other things (laughs) in the shower being one example, but um, driving in my car or talking to somebody. So for me, what my rhythms look like is, uh, and um, I mean, I I just did this this morning before I connected with you guys. I, I start almost every morning in a coffee shop. It gets me out of the house. You know, we don't have offices yet. Right. And so it gets me out of the house at one of the most chaotic times in the life of our family. We homeschool, so everybody's home. Um, But that's also time for me to just 
uh, like I said, almost every day. I, I do the Moravian daily texts. So that's kind of my scripture reading. Um, I will always read one or two chapters unless something else just has some kind of urgency. I'll read one or two chapters from each of the books that I'm reading. So usually I'll, I'll have two, chap- two different books that I'm reading any given morning. Um, but then it's also, you know, what, what are the notches that I need to move along? So it, it doesn't always work this way, but uh, especially because sometimes, I, like right now, I'm going to be, I'm going to preach for the next four weeks. So this is a little bit off kilter right now, but, uh, you know, typically it is just what's the next step in the next sermon that needs to be done. So one morning we'll be just engaging the text, looking at the text, uh, working my way through and just asking questions, just kind of that observational stage. Uh, then there might be one or two mornings of just working through, uh, commentaries on the text, maybe some word studies on the text, uh, you know, and just moving it along. And I'm just, uh, I'm capturing all of this as I go. But the other thing that's happening then is just because every morning I'm getting, trying to give a little bit of time to it. It's just kind of mulling around in my head. And so later in the day when I'm working on this wedding blog or whatever, you know, website I might be working on, I just still might see things that, that trigger things. So as much as anything, those rhythms of knowing I'm going to give a little bit of time to it every morning, just kind of keep the topic stirring around in my head so i know what's going on that's great yeah um so one of the the way i i have like discovered you uh is through your podcast sermon smith and i've i've really liked it and and have listened to a ton of different of the episodes what caused you to start that uh yeah i i have always loved the creative process just how do people make things? I've always been curious about that. And about eight or nine years ago, kind of in the midst of thinking about that, I actually started a blog called Creativityist, and which I've since kind of folded into my own now dormant blog. But I was just writing a lot about like, what are some of the tools that people use to do creative work? I, I really felt like productivity and creativity kind of go hand in hand because when you have good productivity, you create space for creativity to happen. And that was kind of the premise of what that blog was. So that's just a kind of a case in point of, I've just always been you know, fascinated. I've loved reading books like Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, where she talks about the writing process or Stephen King's on writing. And, and at the core of it, a sermon is, it's like, it's one of the most intensive repetitive, unless you're writing a newspaper column, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those creative arts that you just hit week after week after week of output. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I was seeing the parallels between what I was reading from Anne Lamott or Stephen King and their writing processes and my own sermon prep. And I found I started asking some of my preacher friends questions about, you know, how do you tell me how you do sermon prep? Pretty much, not even necessarily because I wanted to learn, but just because I, I had to know. I was curious. And then I realized, hey, this could be a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and it was, it was fascinating to see the different things that some of my, you know, different friends who preach had to say. Some of them had these really well thought out processes and some of them um, not at all. And it, it was just fascinating to me to hear. And so, yeah, I, because I know how to make websites. And I've, I mean, I've done a few different podcasts over the years that have floundered along. Uh, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And it's, it's just been, and I've enjoyed it so much. You know, I've said this a number of times on the podcast, I would do this just for my own joy, but it, it has been fun to, 
you know, get feedback from other people who have said, this has been so helpful for me. I'm, I'm realizing now in hindsight, um, I'm going to do a part two to your question. I'm realizing in hindsight now what I'm really enjoying about it though is I had the benefit of really being nurtured early on in my ministry, you know, at that first church that I talked about of being taught some pretty good practices. And my, my process has changed a lot since then, but some pretty good practices for how to prepare and write, you know, at that time it was at something for students in student ministry, but that, you know, morphed into sermons and the teaching team. Uh, sermons are an art form that I, I, I keep hearing from people that they're, they didn't really feel like they were ever taught how to do it well. And so one of the things I'm really thankful for now is hearing from people who say, thanks so much because I'm being mentored by all these different voices in a way I was never mentored. So uh, I think that's a, man, I, I mean, I think the sermon is an art form. I'm not one who says the sermon is going to work its way out of our culture because I think it's rich and I think it's valuable. So, and I hope it, I hope it can be a small piece. I, it can't replace true mentoring, but I hope it can be a small piece for a lot of people in terms of their own, much like what you guys are trying to do here. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I, I love it because it's, it's giving us the exposure to have these conversations with all sorts of people we would never meet in real, you know, and just in person and, and getting to hear how they do things. It's really great. Yeah. Um, so related to your podcast as well, Sermon Smith, uh, what are some of the things that you've learned yourself individually, you know, from the conversations you've had with all these preachers and, and pastors and church leaders, and especially related to uh, sermon prep, some, maybe some things that you've picked up along the way? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the one, that, um, the one that has probably stood out to me the most is, uh, and, and in terms of what I've tried to, take on the most is uh, I interviewed Wade Hodges. I don't know, probably about, I've, I've done a little over 60 of them and Wade was probably back in the twenties. <laughs> I don't know. But Wade talked about how he does four sermons at a time and uh, I'm nowhere near as structured as and rigid as he is, but he talked about how Monday is his, I might have this backwards, but I believe he said <laughs> Monday he's working on the sermon for four weeks from away Tuesday, he's working on the sermon for three weeks away Wednesday and just how he's always, you know, doing work in advance. And part of what that helps him to do, especially in the midst of series is recognize, man, I've been working on this piece, but this is actually going to be part of this other sermon down the road. So that's been helpful to me, especially in, in the idea of series to almost like take a long view. And so, you know, for the, like I said, for the next four weeks, uh, I'm preaching, which is un unusual for us, but it's because we're going to, I'm doing a four week series just on our common life in our church. We're going to start to form our own kind of rule of life. And so we want to lay some groundwork for that. And so I, yes, I am preparing for sermons, but I'm also, I'm preparing for individual sermons, but I'm also preparing like one big thought. So in a lot of ways, my process for this one has been and grab all of the ideas, any of the books that are related to it, and start to put all of those pieces in place into multiple sermons at once and see, man, I had the idea to do this. This would probably work better in the third week of this. So that's been really helpful to me. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not nearly as rigid as he is on it. Um, maybe he's not either. Maybe it sounds better on, on paper. But um, 
that's that's probably the one that's going to stand out to me. The other thing that's actually surprised me uh, is I've always been real deliberate about um, I've always been real deliberate about just capturing notes, you know, underlines from my books, storing them. Um, and I've heard how many people don't do that. And I've been surprised, but I thought more would do that. And I, I'm going back and forth on this one because there's a part of me that is feeling like, man, it's always helpful to have those. And occasionally I, I do go back and draw on underlines from a book that I read eight years ago that I had stored away. Uh, but I'm also finding that there's an, I'm going to use a word here, an ephemeral quality. <laughs> ephemeral, I mean, something that's like short term comes and goes. Yeah, there's a certain amount of value in the ephemera of, as I call it, of sermon prep, which is the ideas that are the freshest and newest to me right now. Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm engaging this text might be the ones that offer the most meaning. So I'm not convinced on that one yet. I still have all sorts of notes. I mean, I just, I just spent this morning sitting in a coffee shop going through the gospel in a pluralist society by Leslie Newbigin, as I'm holding it up for you two to see, because <laughs> I, it's been a number of years since I read it, but I knew there were things in there I wanted to pull back out. So yeah, I, I agree because I, you know, I use I'm big on Evernote. I don't know what kind of tools you use. Um, I'd be interested to know, but I found that a lot of times I, I I bring in things, but then it's very rare that I'll have to go back and search it out. Sometimes I do, but sometimes it's just kind of like. I don't know. It just kind of sits there. What, what kind of tools do you use for sermon prep and, and what is your, what is your process like uh, on like if, if, if it was the perfect week, uh, obviously this isn't going to be every week, but what's, what's the perfect week for, for you and what, and what kind of tools are you, are you using? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my primary process is I use an app called Scrivener, which is started out as a Mac app. Uh, there's a windows version now, but I actually have a whole process where I can capture notes from my phone or from my iPad pretty quickly uh, through an app called Drafts, which has been talked about on the podcast, and then have those just kind of sitting there waiting. So when I open my file in Scrivener, all of those notes and all those ideas get imported in so that they can be moved in and out of the outline. And so in, in terms of the ephemeral nature of it, that's it. Like it's Scrivener. It's when I'm doing commentary study and all that. I have Scrivener open and I have my Logos Bible software open because I'm tossing ideas. But when I'm on the go, I want to be able to capture ideas as well. So that little drafts to Scrivener. I'm actually in process. I'm putting together a screencast that I'm going to make available for how I do all this. So this is the first time I've talked about it and I'm committed to it, right? But Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that will be out sometime now in, in 2024. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that part. As far as the long-term stuff, um, because I like I, I do still try to keep that database. Uh, I use DevonThink, and I've been revisiting how I use DevonThink actually because of recently doing an interview with uh, David Eifert on on SermonSmith because he uses he's been using DevonThink for a long time and he uses it really well. But basically, DevonThink is just like you can create your own giant research database with content, you know, any kind of content, whether it's pages, documents, or notes, or PDFs, or, uh, and so I have, I have all of my book notes and all that in there, and it's just so good at searching. So, yeah, for long-term stuff is Devin Think, and then for each, um, for each individual sermon, or, or each individual series, like in Scrivener right now, I've got a series going, uh, 
So for, for short-term stuff, it's Scrivener, so I can capture it and really manipulate it around in there a lot. Well, just to butt in real quick, I, I just got Scrivener, so I'm very interested in uh, he, in seeing this in about, you know, what is that, uh, eight years. Yeah, yeah sometimes <laughs> it's <So>. eight years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Scrivener, Scrivener is great. I mean, it was one of the most, uh, ex- when I, it, it came out right about the time I started using Macs full-time, and I've used it for many projects ever since because it's so helpful just for, I mean, the whole, the design of it is for long form writing and being able to move ideas around and all that. And I've used it for papers in grad school and some curriculum I wrote and, uh, you know, the vision document for our church when I had to submit one for, you know, church planning organizations, all that. It's just, it's so helpful for that. Great. Yeah. So as, as we close out here, um, I want to just encourage all of our listeners to to check out Sermon Smith because uh, John has done such a great job of coming, like bringing sixty plus pastors uh, into a library, basically of of resources for us to to glean from, and it's been so encouraging and and insightful. Really, I mean, I I remember I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he talked about. Uh, how he prepares a sermon visually and and he draws things and it was just so insightful john it's been it's been such a pleasure to to get to talk with you about sermon prep and uh, uh we will include all some all the all the notes and all the uh the links that we talked about today uh so you can connect with john on sermonsmith.com you can find that at rookiepreacher.com so john thanks for for connecting with us and uh, i'm sure we'll uh continue seeing all some all great content coming from you